Hello, my beautiful moons, and welcome to today's episode. And this episode is all about self-belief, which is, of course, a form of self-love. And I find that the episodes that I do that are around self-love, self-acceptance, of course, self-belief, confidence, all of that are the ones that people like to listen to again and again because it's something that makes them feel good. They feel empowered after they listen to it and they're ready to kind of tackle the day. They're ready to do the things that scare them a lot more so. So I feel like it's always good to kind of throw in these episodes as often as possible because it's definitely what you guys, my audience, um, really value. So thank you for sharing that as well because I always ask either on the Facebook group or on Instagram which kind of episodes you like and it's it always does circle back to these main topics. So self-belief is obviously crucial for so many things. I'm going to go into why it is so important. I'm also going to go into seven ways that you can actually increase your self-belief. I also did put a call out on my Instagram and asked everybody what you struggled with the most when it comes to self-belief. And I got so many answers and a lot of them, as usual, a lot of them are like really um, common themes. So don't feel that you're alone. What you're going through, if you've got all these like negative voices in your head, if you feel that there's absolutely no way you can achieve something because you tried that exact same thing before and failed. If you're feeling all these things, if you're feeling like I'm stuck, I'm stagnant, I don't know where to start. It is such a common thing to feel. You are not alone. It is super common and there's many reasons why. I'm also going to talk about why your self-belief might be really low. So I'm going to be tackling all those things. But before I do that, I do want to do a little – I'm not going to give you a weekly update um, because not too much has happened that's exciting enough to talk about. I mean, love my life so much. It's so good. But, yeah, it's just been, you know – cruising along, working, doing all the fun things. So I thought I'd get straight into a brain fact for the day and then I will get into the topic of self-belief. So the brain fact that I wanted to talk about was the role that sugar plays in the brain. And I'm not specific, I'm not going to be talking about how sugar can be toxic and bad for the brain and all of that because that I want to maybe talk about in another episode. Excessive sugar absolutely can fuck with your focus. There's a lot of things that sugar can do that's going to screw up your focus, make you feel quite fatigued if you have too much sugar in the brain. I'm actually talking about the need for sugar. And when I talk about sugar, I'm talking about sugars as in a group where a whole bunch of different kinds of sugars fall into that category, like carbohydrates, you've got you know glucose. You've also got different kinds of sugars that form parts of your DNA as well. And that sugar is called deoxyribose. So there's all these different kinds of sugars. Like if you don't have certain sugars in the brain, your brain absolutely cannot function. So I was actually once doing a live as well on Instagram and I was talking about the importance of just having a balanced diet for your brain. And it sounds so cliche and it's so boring, but having a balanced diet is fucking crucial for a reason. There's a reason why there's even the term balanced diet. There's a reason why people strive for balance in their life because that is what is going to be the most healthy option for you. And I was talking about the importance of fats for the brain, protein for the brain and sugars for the brain. And someone comments being like, wow, Alexis, I'm a bit surprised and I'm disappointed that you would say that the brain needs sugar. Sugar is a poison. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, you dumb dog. If you don't have sugar, your neurons can't operate. And when I talk about sugar, I'm not saying drink a liter of soft drink. I'm talking about sugars within your diet that are present. And a lot of these sugars are very, very minute and hidden in other foods. Um, They don't necessarily, like your body can actually make sugars out of all sorts of things, um, not necessarily from like straight up sugars and carbohydrates, but your brain needs sugar. 
And glucose is the main source of energy in the brain. In order for your neurons to survive, neurons being the cells that demand like the most energy within the brain and the body actually, they need a constant delivery of glucose from your blood. So if you don't have glucose in your bloodstream, you're fucked. You're basically toast, okay? The brain actually consumes around 20% of glucose-derived energy even though it only makes up 2% of your body's weight. So 20% of it, okay? And glucose also provides energy for the brain to function by generating something called ATP, which is adenosine adenosine triphosphate. That's also in your muscles as well. It's what makes your muscles move. If you don't have any ATP, then you can't, you know, get up and move. You can't exercise. You can't do any of that. ATP is, is an energy source. It's very complicated. I'll have to go into ATP another time. But basically, that is what is one of the things that delivers energy to obviously your brain and your muscles and without it you cannot um, initiate any movement or thought or any um, action potential. Now, it, this, this glucose in your bloodstream enters the brain by crossing the blood-brain barrier via something called a glucose transporter. So there's different ways that things can penetrate the blood-brain barrier. One of them is because the molecule is a shape that can just squeeze through and many times things enter the blood-brain barrier because they are brought in by a transporter and a transporter is basically a molecule that collects it, takes it through the blood-brain barrier and that transporter is kind of like given the green flag. It's allowed to enter. Um, So that's how it's brought into the blood-brain barrier, into the brain. And then it's distributed throughout the brain. It helps neurotransmission. It also helps neuronal survival as well. Without this glucose, your neurons cannot continue to survive. Um, If this process is disrupted and the glucose is not reaching the brain properly, um, it is going to be the foundation for a whole range of neurological disorders, okay? The same also goes for if your if you've got a problem with regulating how the glucose is delivered to your neurotransmitters, then there's a whole bunch of problems that occur. If, there's, if it doesn't get regulated properly, if it's too much sugar going in, too much glucose, that's a problem as well. It's all about finding that nice balance. That's why there's diets like the ketogenic diet that are appropriate for uh, epilepsy because it kind of um, really controls the sugars that are going in and the carbohydrates that are going in and keeps carbohydrates to an absolute minimum. And that's because there's obviously this disorder that's going on in the brain. And you don't actually need a lot. You need about 110 to 140 grams of glucose from the carbohydrate portion of your diet. And your brain can also derive energy from ketones. uh, And that's the whole purpose behind the ketogenic diet. I'm not going to go into that today, but the ketogenic diet is actually very, very helpful to prevent seizures with people with epilepsy. And and the ketogenic diet is used for a lot, a lot of other neurological disorders as well. Uh, but ketones, when you're using ketones as the energy source for your brain, the brain can only service up to 70 – the ketones can only service up to 70% of the brain's energy requirements. The brain will always require some glucose. Now, the liver can make glucose through a process called glucogenesis, and it uses amino acids from protein, glycerol, and other molecules such as lactate, which is a molecule that's formed when the body has metabolized, metabolized glucose. So the liver is able to produce glucose as well. You don't have to be pumping sugar for your liver to be able to produce it, to have it in your bloodstream to enter the brain. Um, but 
you this is I'm trying to just talk about the importance of having that balanced diet obviously not a shitload you like I said you don't need much at all but it is important to unless you're following a ketogenic diet or unless you've got some reason why you shouldn't be having absolutely any carbohydrate whatsoever in your diet it is important to maintain that balance and keep like a nice even spread of your macronutrients so the brain um does use more glucose when it's undergoing a more strenuous men- mental task like memory tasks, attention-related tasks, things like that. Um, so while, of course, I'm not standing here recommending that you eat a lot of processed or refined sugars as your body does not need it, um, I do recommend that you are receiving a good balance of fucking everything in your diet, macronutrients and micronutrients, okay? Even if you go low carb, it's fine. But I do stand by my statement that the brain does rely on glucose For that person that was so disappointed in me, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's a fucking fact and there's nothing you can do about it, okay? You obviously have glucose in your bloodstream right now if you were able to type that message to me. So, lol. Anyway, let's get into the topic of today, which is how to increase your self-belief. So, like I said, I did put the call out on my Instagram and I asked a bunch of you what you struggled with the most with your self-belief. So, the main things that you said were... Dealing with imposter syndrome, not aiming for the things I want because I don't think I'll get them. I'm too scared to start something because I don't know how it will go. I don't think I'm good enough. I'm not confident that I'm going to choose the right thing. I always fall for the negative voices in my head. Um, I compare myself to others on social media and then feel shit and then don't want to do something. I fear the reaction of others and what happens if I fail and... I failed before, so I don't believe I can do it now. And a few people specifically spoke about that when it comes to their weight loss journey. So you probably feel, maybe if you're listening to this episode and you're looking to expand on your self-belief, you probably resonate with one of those. There were a whole bunch more, um, but it's kind of this idea of this either fear of judgment from others or an absolute fear of failure and that's why you don't believe in yourself. And a lot of it also does stem from just never having had it, not knowing what it looks like, so it's hard to create it within yourself. Now, firstly, let's talk about why do we need a good level of self-belief? What's it going to give you? So with low self-belief, you're going to aim for less in your life. And I'm not talking about career aspirations and success and doing it. Like that's all well and good if you want it. But I'm talking about the really important things. I'm talking about aiming for respectful relationships. I'm talking about aiming for a healthy life as far as a balanced life, balanced, you know, like mental health, physical health, spiritual health, all of that, okay? If you have low self-belief, you're not going to aim high in those things. You're not going to expect more from others and from how others treat you, all of that, okay? You're also going to put yourself out there a lot less um, and you're going to ask for a lot less out of every situation in life, out of yourself. You're going to ask less out of your friends, your family and your partner, out of your job, out of life, out of experiences that you can experience. You're just going to ask less and expect less if you have low self-belief, okay? You set the bar low and you don't expect things or you don't have faith that things are going to happen. So you're just wishing and hoping and you kind of just do things half-heartedly because your expectations are low instead of having faith and instead of believing that something's going to happen and doing it. There's a very big difference between hoping versus believing. 
hoping versus having faith in something. There's a very big difference. Hope is like, oh, kind of hope, whatever. A belief is like I'm really in the mindset that this is going to happen, so I'm going to act as if. And it's not saying that it has to happen, and it's not saying that it absolutely will happen, but the likelihood of something happening for you when you are 100% all in, going for it, not, um, not kind of cock blocking yourself through all these negative beliefs and negative patterns and, and, and self-sabotage behaviors, that then things are going to happen for you, okay? Because you're more in a state of flow. On the, on the opposite side of that, if you're hoping that this happens, hoping that that happens, you're kind of leaving it at the mercy to something just occurring for you and you're just really hoping, but it probably might not happen. The very big difference, that where you stand and the energy that you're putting out there when you're hoping for something versus when you're believing something's going to happen is very different or believing that you can do something versus hoping that you can do something. So change your language to I believe this is possible, not I hope this happens. Now, let's talk about where it stems from. There's a whole bunch of places that it can stem from. One of them, one of the main ones, is lack of support growing up. And this is all down to your internal working model, that belief system that is formed very heavily linked to attachment theory on what you were, how you were raised and what you were exposed to when you were growing up. If you're always around people that are like, yes, you can do it, come on, I'll help you. And if you fail, they're like, oh, what a shame. Okay, pick yourself back up. Let's do it. You know, are you ready? Let's go. We're here to support you. If you're constantly around people like that, then of course you're going to have that mentality of like, I'm supported, I am capable, failure doesn't really mean too much, I'm capable of going again, I'm resilient, let's go. That's going to be your mentality. But if you grew up and you were constantly exposed to, ah, 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 ah don't try that, like, oh, oh, I don't think you should do that, oh, are you sure that's a good idea? Oh, a lot of people fail doing that, oh, don't do that. Ah, ha, 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 you failed, lol, I knew that was going to happen. If you're constantly surrounded by that shit, then you're going to be like, fuck putting myself out there again this is like this is painful I'm torturing myself every time I try and put myself out there it's social suicide why why would I do that to myself so you've got to look at your environment and if you grew and on top of that if you observed people saying to you oh don't put yourself out there don't take too many risks play it safe then of course you're going to believe the exact same thing and a lot of the time well that could be you know, malicious people out there making you feel that way. But a lot of the time there's people who have also been brought up that way and they're bringing you up that way because they want you to be safe. It's purely out of love. And there's, I don't believe in this blaming the parent cycle because most of the time parents parent how they were parented, okay, unless they're trying to break the cycle. So there's no point. I'm not talking about blame here, but I'm saying this is one of the one of the ways where it could have come from. And you could be 65 and it still be happening, okay? It could carry on through your whole life. Another way could be because you might have had a great upbringing, but then at school you were bullied or at work you were bullied and it really brings down your confidence to do something because every time you put yourself out there, there's a group of people there ready to attack, ready to laugh, ready to pull you apart when you attempt something. And emotional pain is one of the worst pains you can feel and you're going to do everything possible to avoid emotional pain so you stop putting yourself out there. And when you stop putting yourself out there, your self-belief then starts to drop, 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 drop. Um, it's like, I think I was talking about this last episode, if this like momentum, the main thing is to keep action flowing, keep the momentum going um, for, in order to expand on your potential. That's what I was talking about last episode. Whereas in this case, if you're so terrified about what people are thinking about you and you don't believe in yourself, that momentum is going to drop. And then you're going to feel stuck because you've rolled to a complete stop and it's harder to activate movement than to continue movement. 
Number three, another reason where it stems from, another place where it stems from, is that you might have had a few big blows to your confidence in defining moments of your life. Like maybe you were dumped out of the blue in a relationship that you were really confident about and you thought was amazing and then now you're really doubtful about how you are in a relationship. Um, You could have thought you're killing it at work and then they fire you out of the blue and you just thought that you were probably – doing great at work and you were fired based on your performance and you were absolutely shook. Um, It could be that something happened publicly and you got really humiliated. You got cancelled on social media for something that you said, something like that, okay? So just like a really big defining moment that you're like this, like that moment has scarred me and now I'm struggling to put myself back out there. And then another thing, the last one, well, slash there's many other reasons, but the last main one would be It could have stemmed from when things didn't go well for you when you really tried. And this can often happens with people's fitness journeys or weight loss journeys when they're like, I'm going to do this, I'm I'm G'd up, I'm ready to go. You put yourself out there, you try really hard and then it it just doesn't work for you. You end up back to square one. You don't maintain that, you know, initial motivation that you had. It drops, you go back to zero or or even worse than zero. So you're sitting there thinking like, I'm a fucking failure. I've already told everyone I'm doing it. This is the fourth time I'm attempting it. I just don't believe I can do it anymore. Another one, a really, really common one is business ventures that fail. Oh, I'm starting up this, you know, side hustle. I'm starting up this blog. I'm starting this podcast. I'm starting this, I'm starting that. And it not doing well. You're starting up another one and not doing well. By the fifth, by the 10th time, you're probably feeling very flat. You're probably feeling a little bit embarrassed to be announcing it to everyone that you're starting yet another venture all of that which on a side note and I will go into it very soon but you you should actually be very fucking impressed that you're putting yourself out there versus a lot of people that don't even have the the balls to do it in the first place you're out there fighting being vulnerable being in a position where you could be laughed at or bullied because you're doing something versus sitting on your ass and not creating any new experiences for your life it's a lot harder with the vulnerability the first option but you're going to reap so much more out of life guaranteed than sitting on your ass and turning around and judging judging lol 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 but they're the ones sitting on the ass not experiencing anything and experiencing life in a passive way by viewing everyone else and judging them you know good on them for being safe but I would do not envy you I do not envy that life I do not envy the life of a person who is comfortable never in a state of threat because they've never put themselves out there that is as JK Rowling says that is having failed to live okay anyway now let's get into my seven I'm pretty sure it's seven my top seven tips on how to improve your self-belief number one find one thing that you can prove that you can do every day and it doesn't have to be the same thing but I'm saying set out to prove that you can do something every single day okay I like to start with something at the start of the day so I ensure that it gets done but the reason I do this is because you're always looking for evidence to back what you say about yourself and we're very biased people okay and I've done a podcast on confirmation bias and it's this idea that you're like I'm shit because and you list all the reasons why you think you're shit or why you think you're an idiot or why you think because we're always finding evidence and a lot of the time when you find one piece of evidence to prove that you're shit it's really easy to find other pieces of evidence that support it because you're very tunnel visioned you're not expanding your um you're not your lens and looking at all the other things to counter why you're actually not shit okay so the reason that I say find one thing to prove that you can do, even it's I'm going to get out of bed tomorrow and do five push-ups. That's it. That's all I fucking have to do. But I'm fucking going to do it. 
when you do it, you're like, ha, huh, I proved to myself that I can do something that I set out to do. I can say I'm going to do something and I do it. I don't care how fucking small it is, but do it every single day. And that is a little grain of evidence to counter your belief that you can't do something, okay? And it sounds ridiculous, but fucking do it. If it sounds so ridiculous, just do it. If it's so easy, just do it. You'll notice that you're going to start to realize, wait a minute, I started off doing five push-ups out of bed, okay, off my knees. Now I can do five full-body push-ups. I I said that I was going to reach out to a person via text. Now I feel comfortable calling a friend out of the blue, where before that used to freak me out. I started doing – I started – and before you know it, the little tasks that you set out are going to get – a little bit more out of your comfort zone. Maybe not every day, but they get a little bit more, you know, out of your comfort zone or you do something a little bit more daring. And before you know it, some days it's still these tiny tasks and some days you're giving yourself quite a big challenge and you get it done. But the point is that you set out every single day to do something. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but it's something. And the beauty of it is that it's just a five-second task, a one-minute task. You There is no reason why you can't do it because everybody can have a pocket of five seconds or 10 seconds in the day to prove to them that they are worth it, to prove to themselves that they can do something for them. You are building your self-belief portfolio here, okay? All these things add up. I don't care how stupid it sounds, you're doing it. Done. End of conversation, you're doing it. Number two, I want you to spend time every day building someone else up and helping them out, either verbally or doing something for them that's going to help them out. Compliment them. Tell them how well they're doing at something. If you see someone feel a bit flat about something, build them back up, okay? This is going to start to change how you view the dynamic of yourself and those around you. You're going to feel less in competition because competition was a big one that people said in the Instagram thing, a really big one. Everyone felt, you know, I I compare myself to these people or I feel like I'm competing against other people and I'm just not, I don't measure up, I'm not good enough. Take away that competition aspect and start to help people around you. When you start to help people around you and you see how happy they feel, you start to change the dynamic of who you associate yourself with and then those people do the same in return. If they don't do the same in return, they're probably not the best quality friends that you should be having around you. But friends and nice colleagues are going to start reciprocating and doing it for you. Sometimes there's a bit of like a a wall up of like who's going to crack first, who's going to be the nice one or who's going to be the bitchy one and you don't really know. If you're the one that extends the olive branch and say, is there anything I can help you with today? I've noticed like you're really busy. Maybe I can do something for you. We can help each other out here. That can go a very long way and boom, you've dropped that wall. Someone turns around and says, oh my God, you know what? I've actually been struggling with this one thing. Do you mind having a look at it? It could be so simple and before you know it, they are then more confident to ask you for help and you then can ask them for help, okay? They will then want to build you up. They'll want to see you succeed because you're you're there showing them that you want to see them succeed. It is a huge indicator of self-belief when you feel comfortable to build people up around you. Okay, you're telling yourself, I feel good when I can very comfortably and confidently want to build someone up next to me. Even if I get no direct benefit from it, this is what makes me feel good. And when you start doing that, you start feeling less in competition and you think we're all in this together and we we all help each other out. Right now I'm helping them, they're going to help me out in the future and it all works really well. The more you separate yourself from building someone up or helping someone out, you're going to feel more in doubt, you're going to feel more isolated, you're going to feel that it's all on your shoulders and that no one's there for you. 
So number two is be there for other people and build them up when you can. Number three, stop sharing information about yourself or your goals and your dreams to those people who have a pattern of letting you down, of being negative, of cutting down other ideas, of bullying you, teasing you, hurting you. I don't care if you were birthed if you were birthed out of someone's womb, okay, if you feel lesser when you speak to them, they no longer get access to this information, okay? That person has uninvited themselves to that part of your life. Too bad, so sad, you acted like a gronk and now you don't have access to that. Your access is now restricted. That's how you're going to act from now on, okay? The people that cut you down, the people that make you feel shit about you, done, finished, they don't get access to that part of you anymore. It's all pleasantries, it's all whatever. If they ask you what you're doing with your life, just say, stuff, don't, don't want to talk about it right now. Even if it's great stuff, stop, stop opening yourself up to be hurt by people you know are there to hurt you. It is not worth it. They're not going to change. Stop expecting things from people when all they've shown you is one behavior. Stop expecting a different behavior. You have to manage. One of the biggest keys to happiness, guys, is managing your expectations of people around you. If you've seen a pattern of behavior and you're expecting something different, you will be the one that's hurt. Not them, you. You suffer. If you see a pattern of behavior, expect the pattern of behavior to continue. It's fucking simple. Past equals future. And it's up to them to change it. They now have to put in the hard work of changing how they talk to you, changing how they act, and then building up a bit of a, a repertoire of new behavior. And then you can look at all these new different behaviors and be like, okay, now I can trust that you're going to be different in the future. People can change, but words don't show that and your faith in them is not going to do that. The only way that people can change and you can believe it is through their actions, okay? That's it. Number four, look at failure as inevitable. Look at your fears as that annoying person that you have to deal with on occasion. You just have to get it out of the way. Oh, this fucking person's here again, pleasantries and be done. That's how your fears, when your fears crop up being like, here we go again, all right, this is, you know, inevitable, hello, fear, how's it going? On to the next, okay? Don't avoid it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Oh, I can't, I can't. Like just shed some light on it. Acknowledge that it's there being like, this is inevitable. We all have them. Hi, how you going? Next, okay? A fear is just an indicator of often what you're avoiding. Not always, but often what you're avoiding. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm scared to do that because I'm avoiding judgment, because I'm avoiding the feeling of having failed, because I'm avoiding X, Y, Z, okay? Now, I do have podcasts on imposter syndrome, on judgment, on failure, but the main thing that I want to summarize in this point is that if you can grab your fear and bring it to light and acknowledge it as something that is inevitable, then you're able to look at it as just part of your life. If you think that fear equals you shouldn't do something, then you're going to go nowhere with all the things that you want in your life. They're, they're not going to progress because you have to understand that the people that you admire, the people out there that are doing what you want to be doing or living a life that you wish you were living have fears. They just didn't avoid action because of them. They looked at the fear, were like, hate that you're here, but you're part of my life, so let's just hold hands and fucking go versus being like, oh, there's a fear, oh, avoid, 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 I'm not going to do something. Don't think that people got to places because they were absolutely fearless. Maybe a small portion of people in this world are absolutely fearless. But a lot of people who get to where they want to go, they still have the fears. They just manage them really well. 
They acknowledge it. They understand that the fear is there. Then they do like a, uh, a risk analysis. That's what I do all the time. I've got fears, 100%. But I do a risk analysis and I think, okay, well, you know, I know I'm capable. The ma- for me, honestly, the main thing that gets me through everything is that have I ever let myself down in the sense of when I've failed, have I ever abandoned myself? And the answer is no. I've failed on so many things, guys. I've failed at so many different like blogs and businesses and I tried to start this thing and I tried to start that online work. I've So much shit I tried and well, I, I'd like to say did not succeed because I put myself out there. You can't, I don't like fail, but didn't succeed. Relationships, all of that. But when shit hit the fan, I was there for myself and I, and I was like, all right, well, that sucks. That fucking sucks. What's next? Let's try something else or let's just take some downtime. Let's just chill. You know, I was there for myself. So one of the best things when I look at a risk analysis and, I, and the fear crops up, I think worst case scenario, shit hits the fan. This all goes to shit. It all blows up in my face and I do not succeed and I'm, I'm below – I'm square one. I'm worse than that. Okay. What's going to happen? Well, I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to be here for myself. I will back myself. I will be okay. And I've still got my health. I'm caring about my mental health and I've got my relationships and that's what matters at the end of the day. So I've got the fear there, but I know that I'm going to be okay no matter how it turns out. So let's just go anyway. Let's go. If I thought that the risk was so big that my mental health would be deteriorated, I probably wouldn't take the risk, okay? So that's what a lot of people do in a situation where you really admire them. Now, next point, number five. I want you to get clarity on one thing at the moment and work on that one thing. Okay, there's a lot going on in your life and we all have many things that we want in our life. Okay, but I want you to find one thing to focus on right now. And you can change that one thing as, uh, you know, every couple of months or whatever. The rest will fall into place. If you believe that you can do those five push-ups every day before you leave your bedroom, then from that, the concept of doing 10 push-ups is not a long shot. It's not a long stretch. If you can believe that you can put on activewear and sneakers in the morning, then the concept of walking for 20 minutes isn't too crazy because you've, you've gone and done that. I've put on my activewear every day for seven days. I've not gone out, but I've put it on. Now from that to go and walk, not too much of a difference. I'm walking for t- 10 minutes, you know. It's just an add-on, right? If you can get out of bed 15 minutes earlier every day, then the thought of tidying up one drawer in your house is doable. And before you know it, you now believe that you are an organized, tidy person. When before you're always all these narratives of, I'm so messy, I can't get my shit together, I'm so unorganized. But can you believe that you can get up 15 minutes earlier? Yes. 10 minutes earlier? Yes. That's not that outrageous. So you start getting up 10 minutes early every day and you tidy up one thing that takes you five to 10 minutes, literally one drawer, your sock drawer, okay? Then before you know it, you're doing that most days you're an organized person. And that just happened from this one little thing that you work on every day. So let's say I want to get clarity that I'm someone that actually is active. I don't have to work out like crazy. I'm active. Then every morning you get up and you put on your sneakers. That's all you have to do. And then things flow on from that. Even if for the first month you're just putting on sneakers and activewear and then not following through, who cares? It's that first step that you're getting clarity on and you're working on it. The same goes for the organized thing. The same goes for the meditating thing. You can do it in any area of your life. But you start with that one little bit. And I'm not saying if you put your sneakers on, you now have to train. No, no. Keep it fucking simple. Less is more when it comes to self-belief. You just have to do one thing, focus on one thing, and just follow through. When you believe you can do these things, 
it's easier to believe other things. When you can believe that you can do the five-minute task and then you do it, the thought of doing something for 10 minutes is so much more believable for you, okay? And, and before you know it, you're going to be someone that can't exercise every day. You're going to be someone that can cook five dinners at home every week or pack your lunch for, for work or do a language class for 10 minutes every single day or listen to an edu- educational podcast each day about something interesting um, or stretch every day or read for 30 minutes, okay? Those things become really believable when you start making five-minute tasks believable for you, okay? Number six, visualize and affirm. Now, I find that visualization tools and affirmations – are brilliant tools alongside taking action. They are fucking redundant and a waste of time if you only visualize and affirm, but don't take action, okay? I can assure you. But the reason why it's so important is that your mindset is probably 50% of achieving anything. Like you look at anything, you look at athletes and how much they have to train. Their mindset comprises so much of how far they get. So that's why visualization and beliefs and affirmations play a massive role in achieving things in your life, okay? But without action, you've got all this all this bottled up potential, but nothing's actually happening, okay? So you have to couple the two together. Now, if you can imagine yourself doing something through visualization, the likelihood of you doing it goes up because it seems realistic and it seems doable. If you can, if you're someone that has never shot a basketball hoop in your life, you've never touched a basketball and you're sitting there and someone says, go through, go throw, like shoot a hoop. You're like, oh, I can't do that. I've never done it. I've never, no, 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 I can't. Versus if you sat there and visualized, even though you had never seen it, never touched it, whatever, but you visualized yourself doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And someone says, go, go shoot a hoop. You'll be like, oh, I'm going to give it a go. And you're going to try and do it how you visualize it, right? You might fail, but you put yourself out there and you did it. It became believable to you to do it. The same thing goes for if you can sit there and really imagine getting out of bed when your alarm rings the first time. You're visualizing it happening. You're visualizing the feeling. You're visualizing, oh, I get up and and I know the feeling that I don't want to be up. But I push through it and I switch off. I don't switch snooze. And I sit upright and I drink a glass of water. And I'm visualizing how that feels. Every action I take out of bed, I start getting more and more awake. Go to the bathroom, I wash my face. And before I know it, I'm ready to tackle the day. Still a bit tired, but... I'm not going to go back to bed. If you visualize that routine of acknowledging the, tr- the real feelings that, are f- that you're feeling, but going through the motions anyway, then the likelihood of you doing that the next day is so much higher because you've already felt yourself go through the motions and do it, okay? Visualize you s- yourself setting aside time every single day to read or write. Visualize yourself getting to work a little bit earlier And the feeling of being satisfied because you're more organized for your morning and maybe you can leave earlier if that's how it works. Now, when it comes to affirmations, yes, I think it's good to have these big affirmations of I can do it, I believe this, I believe that 100%. But those affirmations work really well when you're already in a good state because you're kind of continuing that momentum of these feel-good feelings and you're expanding, expanding. But if you're coming from a place where your self-belief is really, really low and you're saying, I can do all that, you probably feel like I'm, I'm... living a lie. I'm fucking lying to myself. I, this, I sound like a fucking idiot because I don't believe it. Okay. So what I would recommend is you start with an affirmation that's a comforting affirmation. For example, you could say, regardless of what happens, I know that I'm, I will be capable, flexible, and resilient. When things get thrown my way, 
I can adapt and I can take them on. So things like that. You're kind of saying, I will be fine as long as I'm here for myself. You're not saying, I'm going to make a million dollars in the next three days. Just calm the fuck down and do an affirmation that's going to make you feel good and comfortable and confident within yourself. So I love to always go back to my affirmations, always go back to I will be fine. I'm fucking resilient as fuck and I am adaptable. So no matter what happens here, I will take learnings from this and adapt and make it better somewhere else in my life. Even if this fails, it's fine. That's what that's how I love to use my affirmations, okay? Another good affirmation is that I'm not attached to the outcome. It's the process that's going to give me what I want, okay? That's a really good affirmation because then you go through it without thinking the outcome has to be a certain way. You're like, I'm here for the process. I'm present. I'm learning as much as I can. I'm enjoying whatever I can from this. And it's the process that's actually going to make me grow as a person and and where I'm going to reap all the benefits, okay? You can – other affirmations are letting yourself know – and reminding yourself of other things you've succeeded in the past. You know, I did really well at this, so it's possible for me to succeed in the future. I won this thing, so it's possible for me to win again. That way you're not super detached, you're just saying, you're just reminding yourself of what's possible for you because of what you've achieved. It's really important that, you know, you have completed things in the past, whether it be school, a course, a degree, um, whether it be, you know, a job where you wanted to stay for a minimum amount of time, whether it be saving up a certain amount of money, whatever it is. So these things are really crucial to remind yourself of when you do these affirmations and you're going to start to feel more and more comfortable and settled instead of this nervous, tense energy where you don't believe that you're capable of doing something. And then the last one, which is number seven, every night I want you to do the following, okay? we There's four statements that I want you to say every single night, write them down. Number one, today I made improvements on. And there is definitely something you've improved on. Don't sit here and say, oh, Alexis, I didn't actually improve that. You've improved on something, okay? Whether it be you listened to a podcast that made you think, oh, I've just identified this behavior about myself. Write it down. That's what you improved on. Whether you did that exercise and, and you and you and you kept a longer streak of of you know moving every single day or whatever the fuck it is there's something you've improved on okay number two I'm proud of myself for identify what it is whether it's one thing whether it's ten things write them all down number three I believe I'm capable of and write three things that you believe that you are capable of okay things that you are not currently doing right now and four I'm excited for tomorrow because tomorrow I will dot, dot, dot. Okay? And that could be tomorrow I will start the day saying nice things to myself. Or I will start the day smiling about something that I'm grateful for. Or you could be like, because tomorrow I'm going to fucking land that role that I'm going to land. You, you make it as big or as small as you want, but it's something that you know that you can get excited for. Those four things. So today I made improvements on I am proud of myself for, I believe I am capable of, and I'm excited for tomorrow because I will. That's going to set the tone for your night, for your evening wind down. You're going to feel fucking good. Or at at the very least, you're going to feel like you're there for yourself. And then you're going to get into bed, peacefully go to sleep and wake up and be in a very good zone. All right, guys, thank you so much 
for listening to today's episode. I love you so much. You guys are my ultimate pins. And I will speak to you next week. So as always, I really do appreciate you sharing the episodes, putting them up on Instagram. It just makes me so happy when I see people going on their walks and they've got a photo of like my podcast cover and they're listening to the the potty on their walks. Thank you guys. That literally makes my heart sing. Love you all so much. And as always, remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.